So I'm going to actually finish up the message I started on Sunday uh, because I want to get, I'm not going to, I'm actually going to be teaching on the same subject matter, but I wanted to go to something else and do something a little bit different. Some things God's been putting in my spirit about the seed or the seed effect. But um, uh, I want to say this, that God always has the desire to multiply and to renew. God's always about multiplication. God always wants to renew. You think about it, even your bodies, they tell me, if you study this out, um, you'll see it's true that your cells, even the cells in your body are constantly wanting to renew. And that every seven years or so, your body actually will renew itself completely from head to toe. Did you know that? Even your body will do that. One cell, another thing will happen, not just the renewal of the cells, but one cell will split into two cells and it goes on and on and on. So in other words, your, your body is now producing millions of cells every 60 seconds constantly like a cell machine. Constantly life is being reproduced, multiplied, and renewed even in your physical body, showing us the life of God every single moment every day of our lives. And I want to say this on Sunday, we talked about how God wants us to reach in faith, to become reachers in faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amplified Bible says this, now, everybody say, now faith. When is faith? It's now. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see. Faith actually becomes my proof of things we don't see and the conviction of the reality. I'm convinced and convicted that what is in my faith is more real than my current circumstances. Are you convinced of that? That what you're believing God for is more real than what you're going through? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Faith perceiving as real fact, faith perceives as the fact what is not revealed to the five physical senses. My, what I can see, what I can smell, what I can hear, what I can taste, and what I can, um, what I can touch, right? So my senses will say one thing, but my faith might say something completely different. By, by the way, that's, that's what we're believing God for. And I made this statement. I said this, everything you need has already been provided. Not going to be. It's already been done. So by faith, come on, we got to receive that. Everybody just reach up like this. Come on, just reach up like this. And just go and pull it to you right there. Now, by faith, come on, somebody, just like you did that, by faith, there's things that God has already provided in the spirit world and in the natural world that may not be in your possession yet, but it's got to be on its way. But the way it gets on your way is by, by way of what? I believe it. I believe it so much. See, faith and belief are two different things. But I believe it so much that I activate my faith, which means I believe it so much that I actually show action toward what I believe. Faith reaches beyond the natural and into the dimension of the spirit where God has provided all things or has already provided. I gave you analogies from Abraham as he goes up to, up to Mount Moriah and there he sacrificed. He's going to sacrifice his son. God required it of him and he doesn't have to do it. And God says, look, there's a ram already there. He didn't see it, but the ram was already provided. We talked about how Jeremiah God said, don't be afraid of their faces. He said, because before you were formed in your mother's womb, before you were ever conceived in your mother's womb, before the seed was deposited, come on somebody, in your mother's womb, I already knew you and I ordained you and called you to be a prophet to my nation. So we said that God's already designed purpose. You couldn't be on the planet unless God had already given purpose for you to be here. 
Before you got here, God formed you. Before he formed you, rather, he's already prepared everything that you needed. This is the day that the Lord has made. Before I got here, he has made. Come on, somebody, for what I need today. Uh, we talked about Elisha and how he, uh, uh, his servant was afraid and because he saw the enemies that were surrounding them. It was just the two of them and hundreds and hundreds of soldiers. And, and he was afraid. He said, Elijah, don't you see? Aren't you nervous? He said, no. He said, Lord, open his eyes. May he see what I see. And when God opened his eyes, he saw an angel army surrounding them so that the enemy could not touch them. Come on, somebody. They couldn't see. Now, the army couldn't see him either. Come on, y'all. But they were there the whole time. God already provided everything that Elisha and his servant would need. Jesus told his disciples, what do you see? He said, they, some say four more months, then comes the harvest. What do you say? They said, well, Lord, we kinda like, we're kind of like with them. He said, look again or lift up your eyes and see that the harvest is already white. It's already there. Come on, somebody. God has already provided. Joshua, when he's coming to take down, when he's going there to by inspiration of the Holy Spirit or by God himself, saying you will go in, you will take the city of Jericho. And he said, how, Lord? He said, I'll show you. Tell him to walk around the wall. And, and the seventh day, walk around seven times and blow the trumpet. And when the trumpet's blown, I'll cause that wall to come tumbling down. And, and it's exactly what they did. But before he said that, he goes, I want you to see. I want you to see, Joshua, this day that the, the, all, the, all the kings have now bowed their knee to you. And I place your enemy into your hand. If you can see it, you can have it. Before it ever got there, God already made a proclamation that his enemies and the king were going to bow their knees. Come on, church. So many instances throughout the word of God. Jesus is going to Jairus' home, and, and there uh, was a dead daughter, and everybody's weeping, and the, and the funeral has already begun. And, and it gets there, and he says, the, the, this, the, this woman, this girl, she's not dead. She only sleeps. And they all laughed at him, and he kicked them all the house. Because if you want your faith to work, you got to get the doubters out of your life. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not saying be mean, be, being rude, but I'm going to say you got to get some faith people around you. Because when you're dealing with life stuff that's tough and over your head, you don't want daughters around you. You want somebody that says, I believe what God says. What he said will come to pass. Come on. Amen. And he raised that girl up from the dead. She was only sleeping. Come on. God already provided resurrection power through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, eye has not seen. I'm going to go ahead and preach this tonight. Nor ear heard. It don't have to see. My eye don't have to see it. My ear may not be able to hear it. Nor has it even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God's already made provision. My eye may not see it. My ear may not hear it. My heart may not even perceive it. But I know I can trust my God that he's already made a way where there seems to be no way. But God has revealed. Everybody say he has revealed. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. In other words, that God's saying, I am Jehovah Jireh. My provision shall be revealed. You may not see it, but just keep walking in faith. 
and the veil is going to come down and the day will come you will have my miracle you will have my breakthrough so how do I tap into things we said we tap in to what God has prepared we do it by faith in other words if I'm going to get out of my problem I'm going to have to reach by faith to think and talk on a different plane I can't talk like the world and expect that God's going to give me a miracle I can't walk like the world and expect God's going to give me a breakthrough Come on, y'all. I can't think like the world and expect God's going to give me his very best. He wants to. He desires to. But there's something blocking. It's called my faith. I got to walk faith. I got to talk faith. I got to think faith. And how you know you're thinking and walking faith? And some people can put it on. They can fake it till they make it if they want to. But the truth is, if you really got a hold of your faith, your mouth is going, your, your mouth will betray you. I said, your mouth will betray you, whether it be good or whether it be bad. It will betray what's ever in your heart, heart, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does speak. So if you've got a lot of word inside of you, and you're trying to keep it on the down low because you don't want everybody to think you're a freak, a Jesus freak at work, but you just can't help yourself. Your mouth starts tripping out words and going, ah, i got to say something about the Lord today. Why? Because your heart is filled. But if your heart is filled with CNN, help me somebody. If your heart is filled with negativity, if your heart is filled with all kinds of problems and sin in your life, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? All those things. And then the Bible says you'll have what you say. Three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, a bungalow. Come on, somebody say amen. And, um, and so they were facing uh, the fact that they were going to have to go to the fiery furnace because they, they, were going to go, they were not going to bow their knee to the statue or the idol of King Nebuchadnezzar. They had great respect for him, but they, and they even took on the names of the Egyptians. They, they took on Egyptian names, and that wasn't even their names. And, 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 and they tried to be obedient to the best they could, but they could not. They, they said that may be the law of man, but we can't break the law of God, and, and we will not bow our knee and worship some graven image. And, and as a result of that, and they were kind of tripped up in the first place, and that people stirred up Nebuchadnezzar and got him angry, and got him mad, and said, we caught him, and they wouldn't bow their knee. And they said, well, where's the furnace? You got to put him in the furnace. He goes, by me now. He got so angry with them. He said, heat that sucker up seven times hotter than it normally is. Now I don't even know how you stoke up a fire seven times hotter. Because hot, come on, the first hot is hot enough to kill you. Come on, so that's called overkill. Amen. And I mean, it was hot, blue flame, you know. And so they, they, they said, we're going to throw you in unless you bow. And this is what they said. This is what they said. God will deliver us out of your hand, O king. We mean no disrespect, but we will not bow our knee to your graven or your golden image, and God will deliver us out of your hand. They said, really? Well, get on in there then. And they threw them in, and the men that threw them in got burned up alive. But there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all bound up, hopping around in there, and ain't nothing being consumed. All of a sudden, the only thing got consumed were the very ropes that were tying them down. I'm here to tell you that if you do what God says, you might go in the fire, but the only thing that's going to get burned are your bondages that are holding you back. Come on. Why? They went in on the word of the Lord. God will deliver us out of your hand, O oh, king. 
How do you think David was able to go up against Goliath, a 12 to 13 foot man? That's how big they got back in those days. Do your math. You'll find out. His very sword weighed 175 pounds. Just his sword alone. Y'all see now Andre the Giant? He was small compared. That's a 500-pound man, 550-pound man. He had a, they had a picture of a beer can in his hand. You ever see that picture? It's like, it looks like a toy in his hand. He is a big man. This man was way bigger. He was like seven foot four. These people were 13 feet tall. And, I mean, he had a brother that was the same height as him, except for he had six fingers on each hand and six on each toe, toe on each foot. Amen. I mean, he comes from a line, a lineage of giants, you know. And so, and so he's out there and he's screaming. The Philistine army is on one side of the, of the hill and, and the armies of Israel on the other side of the hill in the valley. You got Goliath screaming, I tell you what, we don't have to fight. But cut, let's cut to the chase. Send out your best warrior. Whoever beats me, they'll bow their knee to you. But if I get defeated, we'll, they'll bow your knee to, to you. And so, and so, all right. So he said, fight. and they're all shaking in the boots because they know they can't beat him. He's no warfare his whole life. He is massive. He is huge. He's intimidating. He's cussing them out every single day. He's got a big, fat mouth. The devil likes to hurl all kinds of stuff at you. He's got a big mouth. He'll scream and say, you're going to die. You ain't going to make it. This ain't going to happen for you. Others have tried. You're going down. Breakthrough. Give me a break. You should have got a breakthrough 10 years ago. You're still in the same problem you had 10 years ago. Ha-ha! Bible says he mocked them and mocked the living God. David comes out to feed his brothers a few sandwiches and says, what in the world's going on? He said, well, you know, I told him the whole story. And there he is, that man right there. And ain't nobody, ain't nobody got the guts to go. He said, you got to be kidding me. Let me tell you something. We serve a God. And he's out there mocking our God. And I remember I was keeping a few sheep for my father. And the Spirit of God came upon me when a lion tried to take away my father's sheep and I smote him and I broke him in pieces. And then a bear came one time and I ripped him up with my bare hands. I'm here to tell you, this uncircumcised Philistine is going down to death. Give me a shot. Some of y'all got to get mad. Some of y'all got to say, you will not mock my God or me another day in your life. Devil! And so he looks at him. He says, this day. He gets specific with it. Come on, y'all. We got any Davids in the house tonight? This day, I'm going to kill you, take off your head, and feed your body to the fowls of the air. And then he, he let that, that, that smooth stone go. And that thing just, gl gl I mean, it was gliding on what? It was gliding on the word of God. It couldn't miss. The only vulnerable place he had was right in his forehead. Knocked him down. You said, well, it killed him. We don't know for sure if it killed him or not. I know what did kill him when David took his head off. Don't even give the devil a chance to get back up on his feet. Come on, y'all. Take his head off. With what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And when you speak the Word of God, you take the head off of your enemy. The natural, non-spiritual man will talk you out of your destiny because he is corrupted with limitation. He's corrupted with lack.
That's what he sees. That's what he hears. That's what he smells. That's what he tastes. That's what he touches. Is lack and limitation. So he speaks that way. I just want to say this. I'm not going to let no man talk me out of what God says I can do, period. Is that all you got? Are you going to let somebody talk you out of God's best? That's what those 10 spies tried to do when uh, Moses sent in 12 and two came back and said, we're well able. And 10 came back and said, we're not able. They're bigger than us. And they came back and the Bible says they had a bad report. They came back to try to talk Moses out of going ahead, advancing into the promises of God. There will always be people who will try to talk you out of God's best for your life. And I tell you right now, be very careful who you tell your dream to. Be very careful who you tell your desire to. Tell it to people of faith. Tell it to people who don't have malice in their heart. Tell it to people that won't be jealous. Because when you start talking greatness, people that don't understand that or don't, they have no faith, they have doubt in their heart, they'll talk you down and say, but you know who you really are, right? We grew up together, right? I love my friends in the past. I still have conversations with my friends in the past. But I'm going to tell you something, guys. I drew a line years ago. I don't hang with you to sin. If I hang with you, i got to be me. And that means we're going to talk about Jesus because out of the buns of the heart, the mouth speaks. And guess what I have? I have respect from all of them. A friend of mine, he, he texted me a little thing, a little, little joke. And it was uh, really funny. And, um, and it was a little racy. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. But he don't know the Lord, you know. So he, it was just a little racy. It wasn't bad. But anyways, I, I, I thought, I said, this is really funny. I said, I said, thanks a lot, man. I'm, so I'm between services. Now I got that stupid jo- joke stuck in my head. Thanks a lot. And he was just, oh, my God, I am so sorry. If there's anything I would never do, I forgot. Oh, please forgive me. I would never be that guy. You have to be able to rest between services. You shouldn't be thinking about it. It was, oh, why did I send that? He don't even know the Lord. You know why? He's got respect for me because he knows where I stand with my life. I don't throw them away. Don't throw people away. But the people I'm going to fellowship with, the people that I'm going to hang out with, are the people that are going to have lots of faith. Because I got to get to my destiny. You got to get to your destiny. And therefore, I need some good report, not bad report. <laughs> Jacob and Caleb did not come back. Uh, Joshua and Caleb did not come back and, and have a good report by saying, there ain't no giants. They're lying to you. No, they said there's giants. So a good report doesn't mean, come on, somebody, there ain't going to be a battle. Just know it's a war. You can win. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. Church, God doesn't just want us to survive. He wants us to thrive, man. Everything God made, he made for us to thrive. And everything he made, he made to succeed. Genesis 1.28, then God blessed man and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, right? Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the beginning of time. This is the very beginning when God puts man in the garden. And the first thing he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. 
I want you to have dominion. I want you to be successful in everything you do. Nothing, nothing there says go backwards. Everything is all about advancing, multiplication, going forward. Have dominion. Subdue everything. Uh, Genesis 8.2. And this is the promise uh, given to Noah after the flood and after he had given his offering to God. It says this, while the earth remains, watch this, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not what? It shall not cease. Uh, is the earth still here? Hallelujah. We're on it. Praise God. Right? That means seed time and harvest continues. It will always be there. So in other words, God made it in the beginning of time that if you run out, plant a seed. The moment you plant a seed, you know a harvest is going to come. Don't plant a seed. You can't receive a harvest. I've been telling you that your faith Jesus said it's like a mustard seed. If I want to receive the harvest of God's best in my life, I've got to learn to plant my seed. What looks like devastation doesn't mean it's over. I just got to get myself a seed. What looks like it's bad in my marriage doesn't mean my marriage has to be over. What looks like bad in my money doesn't mean it's over. What looks bad in my health doesn't mean it's over. I've just got to find the proper seed. And one old-time preacher said, there's 66 books in the Bible, which means there's 66 bags of seed. All you need is the right one. So you do your research. You come to church. You hear the Word of God. And you take that Word of God and you apply it. When you apply it by faith, I believe it so much that I activate it. There's a corresponding action. I believe it, so I do it. And when I do it, I'm sowing my seed in the ground. Now, let's look at Genesis 9-1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Well, that was after he destroyed the whole earth and gave us a rainbow and said he'll never do that again. And then he said, he said now here's what I want you to do. First thing he said to man after they've been wiped off the planet, starting brand new, with Noah, his wife, and his children, he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God gives do-overs. So it may look like you've depleted your harvest, and maybe in the natural you have. But if you just find one seed in God's Word... You can start the cycle all over again and be fruitful and multiply all over again. Come on, church. Don't sit back and think this is it. This is all I'll ever have. This is all I'll ever be. We have to be careful because it's in human nature for us to settle for things in life. We just settle for stuff. Stuff happens for, to us, and instead of trying to get a, a solution or an answer, we settle. I believe that there are times that God allows difficulties in your life to stir you up, to force you not to lay back and, 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 and to get lazy and accept your circumstances. Don't settle. Learn to fight. Job got sick. We know he got very sick, lost everything. All he had left was his wife. And his wife was even saying, you're so sick. Why don't you just curse God and die? 
but he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't give up. In other words, he got sick, but it wasn't in vain. He knew his Redeemer lived. He knew he couldn't. He, how, can the, how, can the, how can the clay say to the potter what it should be? I know that he'll get me through this. He had to walk by faith and not by sight. And we know that the Bible says that God restored to Job double at the end of his life. There is a dynamic in the demonic. There is a deliverance in the dilemma. There is a fantastic in the failure. You just got to have eyes to see. That's what Moses was up against with the Red Sea. In other words, it looked like it was the end, but God gave him a word, a seed, and said, just do what I tell you to do. He said, take your rod that's in your hand and stretch it out over that sea. And then what? Not then what? Just do what I tell you. Why do we get to say to God, well, you got to give me a reason why. You just be obedient. He's God. Y'all don't want to help. I got this side. I need to come over here. We just got to be obedient. Why, do, why does God got to give you a reason? Since when? He's God. Well, he's my daddy, and my daddy got to tell me what's going on all the time. No, he tells you stuff you don't understand all the time. If he told you, you still wouldn't understand. You won't know and understand until you get to the other side of this thing. So what you got to do is just simply be obedient to what he says to do. Am I right about it? Last thing I wanted to do was start a church after being hurt the way I was and I didn't have, have the results I wanted in medicine. It's the last thing I wanted to do. Well, I didn't want to fail twice. Come on. I didn't feel like I changed that much. What was about me that changed so much? Not much. I felt like I was more, more I thought I was less of myself than I used to be. But he told me to do it. All I could do is be obedient to what God said to do. Thank God. My point is to use this. We've got to learn to stop putting all these restrictions on God and saying, Lord, if you, if you uh, give me a sign, Lord, if you just show me. If you just, he's telling you what to do. Just be obedient. Activated by faith. And out of that dilemma, what happened? There was a dynamic in the demonic. There was a deliverance in the dilemma. The dilemma was the Red Sea. They couldn't cross it. God opened the Red Sea. They walked through it. And now here comes the armies of Pharaoh. And they walk into it. And God takes the dilemma. Come on, somebody. And destroys them to give them a deliverance. God will take what you're going through and make it your best testimony you've ever had in your life. He will make it work for you. I love it. This little story because it reminds me so much of myself, Peter. And, you know, Peter loved Jesus with all his heart. But he was an emotional guy. He was, he was a fleshy guy. And he would put his foot in his mouth a lot. He didn't mean to. He believed what he said was true. And remember he tells him, he said, Jesus said, you're, you'll deny, you're going to deny me. And he said, not me, Lord. He rebukes him. He said, not me. I'll never disown you or will I ever deny you. And Jesus turned to him and said, this day before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. No. Yeah, you will. And he did. And when, he, when the rooster did crow after the, the third denial, he remembered the words of Jesus. And he went out and wept bitterly. The guy was probably suicidal. He walked completely away from everything and everybody. He couldn't believe he'd walked so far, so fast away from Jesus. But when Jesus 
is resurrected from the dead. He's faithful to his word. Three days later, comes out of that tomb. And the angels are there waiting for Mary and Martha to come in the tomb to, to, to actually take the, the, um, the oils to spice the body of Jesus and to take care of his body as was the tradition. And they get there and the angel of the Lord is there. And he said, he's risen. He's not here. He's alive. Now go tell his disciples and Peter. That's what your Bible says. If that don't touch you, I don't know what will. Go tell your disciples and Peter. In other words, I haven't forgotten about him. He may have walked away from me, but I have not walked away from him. I still got a plan of victory. I still love him. I still want to give him another chance. Come on, somebody. Come on. I want to share this with you before we receive tonight's offering, but this goes with the message. I'm going to give you six stages that you go through to become reproductive. This all has to do with the seed. The first stage is barrenness. This stage is where you seemingly are non-productive, where things have not worked out the way you had planned. You're barren. There's no fruit. There's nothing. The seed is dormant. This stage brings frustration, and frustration long enough leads to pressurized decisions and quitting. Galatians says, be not weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. So when you feel barren, you have to understand there's a season coming. Don't quit. Don't give up and don't make rash decisions. I'm going to leave Milwaukee. Why? So you can do the same nonsense somewhere else? Cost all that money to get there and cause problems to do it? Come on. You know, vocation and location doesn't always change the problem. Almost never does. One preacher said one time, you know why? He goes like this. He draws a circle around himself. He goes, because you bring you wherever you go. The problem, isn't the, pro- problem isn't the city. The problem isn't the work. The problem isn't the family members. The problem's right in here. It's the way we handle our situations. So barrenness is the first stage. The second stage is conception. So once the seed is planted in us, it goes from barrenness to now we've conceived. Conception brings a newness to your heart and an anticipation to your life. This is the stage where your life takes on new meaning. Thoughts begin to flood your mind with all kinds of new possibilities. It's really a seed of hope. First Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So when the seed of life comes to you, which is the seed, word of God, comes to you, it's a seed of hope, and now you have possibility. Whoa, that word's for me. Have you ever felt that before? This word's for me. This was, I guess that was a good word last week. I really got a lot of, but this word's for me. Okay? That's conception. All of a sudden, you've conceived something. Third stage, it moves from conception to formation. Like the baby in the womb begins to form, and it, becomes, it, it goes from a fetus into a baby, right? A full, full baby begins to grow on the inside of a, of a female. This is the stage of hidden progress. You're progressing, and you feel the progression, but you can't prove it to anybody else yet. It's just not there yet. And it's where we don't have the promise yet, but we know it's growing inside of us. 
And this stage, we amp up two things. We amp up our faith confession. So we start speaking faith boldly. And it's where we start interceding more than we've ever seen before. We got, why? Because we're trusting God to bring forth what is in us out of us. The fourth stage is birthing. So we go from formation to, that, let's say, that nine-month period, and then the birthing. This is where things get intense, and you will have mixed emotions. Giving birth is intensely exciting, but it is also intensely painful. But it's worth it when it comes forth. So anything that's, that has value in your life, there will be pain mixed with it to bring it forth. But at the end, it will bring you much joy. The fifth stage is maturing. Maturing brings balance to your life and disciplined decisions. Balance and decisions. That's why the house of God is so important. Because you learn the word of God, which helps you to balance your decisions you hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You have other believers with you that are w around you, that are mature, that are helping you. And it will cause you to have your decisions now will not be just emotional decisions, but they'll be very disciplined in your life. The sixth stage and final stage is destiny. This is the stage where you're living on purpose, for purpose, and have a proper perspective of who you are. I want to move people through all those stages to the place of destiny so that you know who you are. Like the children of Israel did not know who they were. They thought they were grasshoppers in the sight of the giants, but they didn't know they were giant killers. That's destiny. When you get it, this is who I am. All right, let, let me show you how to become a multiplier. Two, three quick things and we're done. Number one is get connected and stay connected. Abraham couldn't have children by himself. Come on, y'all. He couldn't even bring the baby into the world. He needed his wife. He had to be connected. He had a promise, but he needed the connection. Sarah represents the church. So she made, she made, she made this, um, she walked out this faith as well because she had to believe. Remember, she laughed at first. But then she became a believer when she conceived and became pregnant in her old age, just like the church. She may be old, but she's still beautiful, and she can still produce. Somebody say amen. So to be in a multiplier, get connected to the house of God, get connected to the vision of God. God does not want us out there on our own because when we're out there on our own, we're easy pickings for the devil to take us down. Look at your pastor for just a second been doing this a long time. One of the things I've seen, the biggest error that Christians make is when they think they can do life on their own. And it does cost you something, does it not, to be connected to people because not everybody you like. Even in church. Come on, y'all. You look at me, I can't believe you said that. It's the truth. You love them, but it doesn't mean you always like them. But that's okay. There'll be other people you do like, praise God. But we're commanded to love each other. We're, we're supposed, it does, I don't care if my foot doesn't like my hand. Come on, but I'm glad I got a foot and I'm glad I got a hand. We work together well. I don't have to like it. It's the fact that it's the body of Christ coming. We're many members coming together. We're connected. So we need one another. It's not an emotional thing. It's a commandment of God so that we can come together, okay? So we can fulfill our destiny. One of the things that are the biggest failure I see 
and Christians, especially when they're doing well, the first thing the devil will do was get them to start missing the house of God. Now, don't tell me, look at me like that. It's the same thing with the gym. It's the same thing. We think, oh, I do a gym. I can do this at home too. But there's something about getting in your car when it's cold, driving to the gym. Come on, somebody, taking your bag of stuff in there, going down, having somebody you're accountable to. Working on thinking about. So I'm just trying to tell you it's the same strategy in the house of God. The enemy knows that if you don't have, we don't have one another, we miss out on the accountability. Next thing you know, we're slipping further and further and further away. Because it's not easy to be Christian. It's easy to love Jesus. It's hard to be a disciple. Now, number two is, uh, number two is this. Um, get what's wrong inside of you fixed. That's very important to become a multiplier. Embrace the pain, but let God fix you. That's a process. That doesn't happen overnight. But if you're just willing to say, Lord, I know there's some things out of order in my life. First thing you got to do is admit it. Come on, before you can quit it, right? So I said, Lord, I got some issues, and he knows. That's <laughs> all you're telling somebody who doesn't know. But you're admitting that so he can begin to work on you with the word. And the third thing, and lastly, is you have to sow. Abraham had to sow a seed. Someone might say, but I have already. Well, then keep sowing. Don't quit. Keep sowing your faith seeds. Keep sowing your faith seed. I know it seems like it's too long. Did you, I, I did the math on this one time. Abraham, 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 from the day God told him that he would have a son out of his own body and out of his wife's womb, from that day, he had 300 disappointments. 300 disappointments before the promise came. That was one for every month over 25 years. Every time, come on, her cycle, come on, somebody. And she wasn't pregnant. It was like, got to go back, try again. And, and believing that God was going to cause this thing to happen and saying, How is it? we're old. How is this going to take place? 300. But the day came that the promise impregnated Sarah and the rest is history. Don't give up the promise. Keep sowing seed. Amen.